up in my crowded, vibrant Southern California home meant waking up to the sounds of Luis Miguel and Menudo. For me and many other Latinos my age, Daddy Yankee's classic party anthem, Gasolina, teleports me back to a backyard get-together with my family. This year, Gasolina was the first reggaeton song to be inducted into the National Recording Registry at the Library of Congress, but it's not the only tune that has captured audiences. According to Luminate data, Latin music rose in consumption this year by 15% compared to the first half of 2022. Artists like Bad Bunny, Carol G, and Fade have put the Spanish language music into the mainstream. So what does that mean for the Phoenix Valley? According to the U.S. Census, about one-third of Maricopa County is Latino. Welcome to Valley 101, a podcast by the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com about Metro Phoenix and beyond. I'm producer Celeste Larita, and today I'm joined by Rodney Alejandro to talk about the evolution of the Latin music scene. Rodney is a music producer and former member of the rock band The Script. Today, we'll dive into the history of the scene and highlight some of the Latin music artists that call Arizona home. Current day Latin music is a fusion of many traditional sounds. The sounds of salsa, merengue, cumbias, rancheras, and tangos still live on through modern music. So, let's take a crash course of the history of these traditional beats. Salsa was inspired by Afro-Cuban musicians and has rich sounds of clave consisting of bongos, congas, and timbales. It has roots in colonial Cuba. The genre then began to pick up traction in New York through the 1960s as Puerto Rican migrants began to identify with their new space, which is why you hear some of those same influences in Cardi B's music. According to music experts, merengue music and the Dominican Republic are culturally intertwined. It could be compared to jazz or blues with the United States as far as identity. Juan Luis Guerra is probably one of the most recognizable modern merengue artists and is one of the best-selling Latin music artists. Cumbia comes from Colombia in South America. It's made up by heavy percussions, maracas, and guacares, connecting it to its African background. Cumbia dates back to the indigenous people of the South America and African slaves in the 19th century. In a 2015 episode of the NPR podcast Alt Latino, Cumbia was referred to as the backbone of Latin music. The sound is full and celebratory. Tangos originated in Argentina and Uruguay. They have a distinct rhythm consisting of a four-beat measure. The rhythm is very syncopated, and the songs often deal with loss, love, and passion. 
Like most Latin music, it is influenced by African and indigenous music traditions. The word tango is said to be derived by the word tambos, which was slang for the African-Argentinian dance places in Buenos Aires. Might be something Arizonans are more familiar with due to our neighbors in the south. Ranchera music is from Mexico, specifically the Jalisco region. Similar to merengue in the Dominican Republic, ranchera is a symbol of the Mexican identity. Music journalist Felix Contreras says that rancheras has influences of polka as it was first brought by German immigrants in the 1900s when they immigrated to Mexico and South Texas. Even though it represents the country as a whole, the music is still very regionalized. Ranchera music closest to the Arizona border is called Norteño. It can look most familiar to you as mariachi, one of the most notable being Pedro Infante. Phew! That was a lot of information. Great job, guys. You're experts. Rodney Alejandro began his career in Latin music 35 years ago, at 19 years old. Since then, despite breaking away from the Latin market, he has seen positive change in the scene. Growing up in Texas, I heard all the sounds of Latin music, from mariachi music to salsa music to Latin rock, uh, Spanish rock, all the stuff. And actually, when I started my first band, that's what we did. We played Latin pop music before we even knew what Latin pop was. We were just copying like the sounds of the American side of the music industry and having Spanish lyrics and created a whole following around that ourselves. And then, you know, we also played our traditional Tejano music and those kinds of things that centered around Polka and Cumbia. And, you know, we wanted be a pop act so we ended up writing more songs for latin pop style we ended up getting signed to a major label and try to get our records out and even when that didn't go over as, as well as i wanted it to i got to meet a lot of people i started writing spanish pop songs for people like the late 90s and early 2000s The language, the culture, also I'm first generation Mexican, born in the United States and growing up with the United States. So hip hop was an influence, R&B was an influence as much as the traditional stuff like 
mariachi, cumbias, and salsa music were. So I was growing up mixing the two from day one. I'm old enough to remember like the Miami Sound Machine breaking the Latin pop barrier in the 80s, right? With like, come on, uh, come on baby, live that gone, got that song, right? But even prior to that, we had Jose Feliciano, we had Carlos Santana. It was more like a Latin rocks thing. It wasn't as popular as it is now. You know, then you move into the 90s and then we have like the big Ricky Martin explosion with Living La Vida Loca. And especially then he's on the big stage at the Grammys, right? So for all of us Latinos, it's like, yeah, the time's come. And then quiet, nothing really happened. And then you, know, you have the urbanization of some of the Latin sounds like cumbia. And you have, at the time it's called dancehall, but then it becomes reggaeton. Starts breaking out in the early 2000s. Right? And you get Daddy Yankee with Gasolina. You had been Suavemente, the big hit with Crespo. It was a, it was a merengue, but it was a big club hit. So you start to see the the music and the non-Spanish speaking people. Right? We all know that it's hot. We all know we're already dancing to it. We're already grooving to it. But we start to see other people who are not of the culture appreciating it. You know, we have Macarena was another one that was a big hit that again opened people's eyes to the language, right? So it's it's slowly creeping. Reggaeton is creeping up in the late two thousands and then in the early 2010s, it's really everywhere, its own community. The Latin sound is really big in the Latin world because previously a lot in the Latin world, like when I was younger, was they were still listening to either like Spanish rock or American pop or something like that, or the traditional sounds of mariachi and salsa, right? But this fusion of like the urban sound, the hip hop with like the pop sound, that wasn't happening until the 20 to 2000. Part of that is due to also, a lot of us Latinos younger who were born in the United States growing up, you know, adopting some of the American sound, but still honoring the traditions where we come from, right? So we're doing a lot of this mix. To many people, Latin music might be a new interest as it is gaining popularity. According to Luminate Data, an independent data collector in the entertainment industry that powers billboard charts, there are big numbers to back that up. Their CEO, Rob Jonas, says there's been a 56% increase in the streaming of regional Mexican music alone. Standouts include Peso Pluma, Fuerza Reguida, and Grupo Frontera. A lot of reggaeton artists like Bad Bunny and Carol G are collaborating with and making music with regional music influences, furthering its popularity. further states that the data shows that half of non-Spanish speakers are finding Latin music through film and music soundtracks, making them 34% more likely to find and stream Latin music. Rodney credits its rise to popularity to the change in production and industry culture within Latin music. You can put up a Despacito or you can put up a, a Bad Bunny's VIP with any American artist or European artist and, and the value of those productions are the same. You can play them back to back in a club and the people don't know the difference other than the language changes. 
in the past, it used to be a dramatic difference between what Latin music sounded like and then what the rest of the world sounded like, right? So what I love is how our people are still keeping the traditions, like even in regional Mexican music, it doesn't sound like an old 70s record anymore. It sounds so well produced and clean and it's competitive and it's like so you when you're on spotify you can do see that new friday music list and you can move from all the different genres and the music sounds like equal value you have people uh 20 years ago again the markets were very still siloed back then when you had a song move over like let's say ricky martin it was a crossover hit it crossed over from the latin community to the american community Nowadays, that word doesn't barely comes up as a crossover hit. It's now when labels market it, if the artists already have a foothold across all things, then they just do it. You can see a big Shakira or a big uh, Carol G sign in New York City as much as you'll see any other artist. It used to be, oh, we need a special permission, and like you know, a special campaign, and oh, it's a big deal. We're going to promote them to the American. Now it's just, it is. So, in 20 years, I remember when I was starting out in the early 20s doing this, I'd have to do a Spanish version and an English version, then do a, a mixed version, and then produce it, mix it one way for this radio market and that way for another radio market. And nowadays it's kind of just all the same. They still do English Spanish versions, but the production is like all the same now for people. The beautiful thing is that in these 20 years, a lot of what used to be only for this group or only for that group is kind of no longer. It's just give us a smash, give us a hit, and it'll work in the American side as much as it'll work in the Spanish side. So the fact that Latin songs are on the airwaves of mainstream, of other mainstream artists goes to show that being recognized, we're being seen as a community at least, and the music is being seen. On top of that, when you consider like a lot of these artists now are appearing in mainstream movies, they're on Good Morning America or the Today Show, all these shows that were in the past reserved only for American artists are now Latinos are showing up on them and not having to sing in English. They're singing in their language and singing in Spanish. So the representation is that a lot of people now see that it's not just oh, that's the Latin music from over there across the border. It's here now. It's with us. It's part of this fabric of American culture. And in other, some parts of the world too, where they don't even speak English or Spanish, <laughs> a song will be number one and people are dancing to it. A Latin song could be number one and people are dancing to it because they love the beat. They love the, the energy it all creates for them. So the beautiful thing that the music has done, the Latin music has done, is really allowed Latinos to be seen in a much broader way as kind of the, the precursor of our culture, like opening doors and tourism and opening, you know, perhaps people, they hold less boundaries because maybe the music's given them some understanding. They've learned some other language. They realize, you know, we're all trying to have the best human experience as possible. You know, so I think that's, a, that's an important thing. Currently, about 30% of Arizona is Latino. So, how is the local music scene indicating that? Some Latin artists are thriving in a community that reflects them. 
Las Calacas is a Phoenix favorite. The Spanish-language rock band prides itself to staying true to their local roots. I like to call it a cumbia fusion because it's like it's a mixture of a lot of different styles of music. Of course, 80% of the backbone is cumbia, but that's what we like to call it because, again, it's influential by, like, Vic brings in his side when it comes to metal and rock when, when he's jamming out. I just bring my background from cumbia, from playing drums. Uh, Less and, and um, Less and Dash, they bring, like, the hip-hop style, you know? So it, it's like this big bundle of fun mess, I guess. We just get influenced by whatever we feel good. Anything that's positive, we go through it again. It's like cumbia, rock, metal, a little bit of punk, dancehall, hip-hop, Spanglish, all that stuff. I think it's cool that like, when it comes to like inspiration, we've been around long enough in this scene that we've started inspiring others. And I hear this a lot because like, I, I go out probably more than, than the other members of the band because everybody's got families, and, you know, whatever. Raph's been, been there and done that. I still go out to shows, house parties, and like check out the, the up-and-comers. And it's cool because a lot of them are like, well, yeah, well, you look up to you. They're always like tripping out when they see me like, I'm just a regular dude, man. Like, no, you're Las Galacas. I was like, well, thanks, man. It makes me feel good. And then now, like, I'm starting to draw inspiration from the stuff they're putting out. So it's just, like, this wheel, this cycle. It's pretty cool, man. Makes me, yeah. feel, uh, makes me feel important. Members of Las Calacas have also seen a growth of Latin music in the Valley. Though, in their opinion, it needs to be recognized more. Arizona music scene, I think, is vastly underappreciated. I think there's so much that the city has to offer. And there's so many rocks to be unturned and so many different bands, different genres. I think it's kind of a shame that we don't get the acknowledgement from other cities, you know, L.A., Chicago, New York. But there's a lot of really, really great musicians and bands here. And in, in terms of Latin influence and the Latin uh, integration, it's it's the Southwest. All the, Any band you look at is probably got someone who's Mexican or Salvadorian or Guatemalan or something, you know. And they all have their backgrounds and upbringings. They, without even knowing it, bring their own influences into the music, too. And it's it's pretty apparent in bands like Sativan, you know, they're a bunch of uh, young twenty-year-olds. Like they play doom psychedelic, and they're it's their first band. They've never been in any bands before, and it's rad. You can tell that this is like some doom psychedelic stuff, but that there's some kind of Latin influence. You can tell, and it's not just because they do a cover of Volver Volver. Uh, you can just feel it. It's something that's working underneath that you can't tell. Eduardo Pim and Felix Trejo are both halves of DJ duo Vinyl Vagos. The Phoenix natives perform cumbia remixes all over the valley, keeping the classic sounds alive. So we specialize in cumbia, but I try to pick a more like diverse world type of sound, but still in the cumbia category. So, you know, we'll have, you know, my heritage is Mexican, so We'll have like all the Mexican cumbias, all the classics that, you know, you hear at all the parties growing up. And then I'll throw in some chicha in there, which is like Peruvian psychedelic cumbias from the 60s. And, you know, down to like Argentinian cumbias, like some of the newer stuff that the folks down there are doing. 
really good. And there's even like Japanese gumbia bands now. And I think, you know, growing up with that genre, just hearing it like on Saturday mornings, hearing it at, you know, at night at the parties. And I always see the meme of the, of the kids sleeping on the chairs. And it's like, this is how our love for cumbia started. And I, I feel like that's very true for a lot of us. And that's very true for me as well. And why I wanted to bring that back to the newer generation in a different setting that's not just, you know, at family parties, but somewhere where we could experience it with our peers, you know, that are, that are the same age as us and, and out in the clubs and stuff. I think locally, People were very like accepting and it was very open. It, we still had to work to get gigs at first because, you know, people might think it was like, oh, you just put like Gumbia on the flyer and like, you know, everyone shows up. There's still like work behind it to, to build a scene, right? But I think for us it was like, because we saw that gap and we, we started filling that void with what we're doing, I think it was, a little bit easier in terms of like being accepted um, for what we're doing. Even the local duo can see a change in the mainstream media. Telling people too that that really enjoyed us playing at night, that really enjoyed the genre of music was like telling them like, well, if you guys like this music for the next one we have, bring your friends. Because sometimes people will just pull up by themselves. So it's just continuously like, oh, if you don't like this, like keep spread this word, you know, share the flyer. That's a lot of the work that we do as well when we go out to other social events is telling people about our next event that's coming up or, or if we hear cumbias out in public and I see someone that really likes it, I'll go and talk to them and be like, oh, we DJ this, you know, like you should check out our event. I think we've gotten more representation, not just with reggaeton, but like, the folks at Jimmy Humilde signs, you know, which they're modern corrido music, Junior H, Natal Cano, Peso Pluma. I think we've got more representation with that because you can tell that their base is much more younger people in their 20s. And that's really grown a lot. I mean, you can even tell, like, they usually have lower trucks, you know, they dress a certain way. They have a certain haircut. That's kind of how they they look as well. But I think they've had more representation throughout the years. But also with the internet, too, I think, and even more diverse, you know, where it's not just a certain way people look that listen to this music, but various types of people. Lalo Guerrero, a Tucson native, was known as the father of Chicano music. His Mexican folk songwriting was not only popular, but very powerful. He wrote songs for Cesar Chavez during the farm labor movement and contextualized the Pachuca's feminist movement. Chavez once said, Lalo has chronicled the events of the Hispanic in this country a lot better than anyone. Lalo Guerrero was declared a folk treasure by the Smithsonian Institute in the 1980s. President Bill Clinton awarded him the National Medal of Arts in 1996, and in 2005, he was inducted into the Arizona Music and Entertainment Hall of Fame. Calexco also hails from Tucson, famous for its indie rock circles. Their sound is heavily influenced by Latin cultures, 
blending sounds of mariachi, tejano, and cumbia with a more mainstream jazz, rock, and blues. Fayuca from Phoenix is a bilingual reggae rock band. It's almost like if Sublime spoke Spanish and was from Arizona. Songs like Sigo Amandote are fueled by electric guitars, bongos, and trumpets, not too different from traditional music like salsa or ranchera. As the Latino population in Arizona grows, so do their voices in our state's musical history. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Valley 101. Do you have questions about Arizona? Let us know by visiting valley101.azcentral.com. Thank you to today's guests for providing their insight. This episode was written and produced by me, Celeste Larita, with editorial help from Amanda Liberto and Kaylee Monahan. News direction by Kathy Tulamello and audio insight by Kaylee and Amanda. Today's music is owned by their prospective copyright owners. All other musical scoring came from Universal Production Music. You can support Valley 101 by subscribing to us on our favorite podcasting app. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to us. And if you like today's episode, share it with a friend. You can follow us on social media at AZC Podcast. Valley 101 is an Arizona Republic and azcentral.com production. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you next week.